And those lovely notes of Giuseppe Verdi mean time for another edition of Serie A Sit-Down. And it is the first of 2019. Uh, World Football Index's podcast of Calcio told like it is and always at the highest level. Frank Crivello here. Glad you've clicked on and gotten stuck in with us yet again. Uh, my co-host with me as always, Richard Carmen. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. How are we doing on this uh, lovely Sunday night? Yeah, I, I, you know, this is the second take of the uh, of the opening of our of our of our podcast. The first one uh, <laughs> kind of fumbled that. That shows that I haven't done this in a while. <laughs> yeah, we got to shake off the rust from the uh, the mid season uh, break. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I'm 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 up for my siesta now. I I told everybody on Twitter, ah, I'm taking a siesta from Calcio. I'll uh, I'll come back to it when Serie A starts up again. So, uh, but otherwise, uh, doing really well. Freezing my tail side off here, as I imagine uh, uh, you're you're in Washington D.C. Are you are you in the uh, sub-zero temperatures over there, or, or by the time I wake up in the morning, it's supposed to be minus 15 wind chills. So yeah. Okay, so you're there. We were supposed to have a couple of guests with us today, Richard, uh, from our friends from far from Vesuvius. Uh, Ken Chofredi and Rafa Rispo were going to join us, but uh, with all of the snow and craziness and uh, uh, things going on, uh, just not something that they could commit to. So, um, hey, guys, uh, we, we will have you on again. Uh, you know we will have you on again. So, um, uh, but, uh, so it's, it, it's, it, you're stuck with Richard and I. Uh, hope you can handle that. And, uh, but we will give you our take on what happened over the weekend uh, in Calcio. We will uh, break down the eight games that occurred on Saturday and Sunday. We had uh, 28 goals. Uh, in eight games um, with uh, Monday's games of Genoa and Milan and Juve and playing Chievo uh, yet to take place. Me thinks there'll be a few more goals to round it out. So Serie A. Not too shabby. No, not too shabby at all. Serie A back in style and back in the goals, uh, you know, except for Inter. Um, but. Oi, oi, oi. Yeah, uh, they, they just. Something about them and Sassuolo when they hook up. Maybe they just don't like that green and black. So, <laughs> they were wearing their white away colors, so it should have been a little bit more pleasing for them to deal with. Uh, but, no, I, I watched that game, and we'll break that down for you as well. Um, before we get into the slate, Richard, and the uh, the headliner was Napoli-Lazio, which we will uh, break down and digest here momentarily. Just a quick word on the Supercopa that took place in Jeddah. Um uh, Saudi Arabia between Juventus and AC Milan. I had said on Twitter, I said, I don't care about that. We said it, we said it here on this podcast. This is just a glorified exhibition. It's a glorified friendly. It's absolutely meaningless. But uh, I will say this, and this is some Homer stuff. Say, this might be some Homer stuff, but everybody watch the same thing, Richard. That's a long way to travel to get Juvade when you get Juvade plenty at your own, in your own backyard, right? At least it's consistent, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yes, that is a long way to go to have the same shit happen to you. So excuse my French, but um, yeah, I guess uh, we could have saw that coming a mile away. But uh, we were just hoping for better things along the holidays. But I guess it was not to be. Yeah, Juventus winning one nil for anybody that didn't know Cristiano Ronaldo with a goal that, depending on how you interpret the offside rule, he's either offside or he's not. If you're a Juve fan, he's not offside. If you're a Milan fan, uh. Yeah, maybe he's offside. Uh, 
I don't think it was that much that that much of a situation where you could either have the linesman have the flag up or go to VAR and uh, you know and, and say that it's offside and reverse the goal. It was just uh, it's one of those that it's kind of like uh, in the NFL. You, the, the ruling on the field isn't confirmed, but it is right, right. does stand. Um, and there's a fine line uh, when they uh, they talk about those things. So, um, but uh, the, the the Kessie red card, I have no problem with. Uh, I, I just wonder why uh, Matuidi was not sent off two minutes earlier for something similar. Football Italia was uh, their explanation was in the act of running or something like that. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> And we have to, and I, and I tend to cite football Italia from time to time with the stories, Richard. But my God, are they? And 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 we know some people that actually write for them. And I don't want to be overly disrespectful, but is that one of the most pro Juve websites you've ever seen in your entire life? It seems like it, but uh, maybe just have a lot of Juventini fans. Or I, I don't know. It's uh, it's very very pro Juve. But hey. Um, if that's what floats your boat, I guess. Uh, whatever gets the radiance, I guess, right? Um, and then the tip of the iceberg, Andrea Conte being brought down in the penalty area by Emery Chan. Sure penalty. Uh, and Bonte didn't even bother to go to VAR to review it. He didn't. He didn't. Said nothing wrong with what happened in the incident. VAR guys and said, hey, we just want to get the hell out of Saudi Arabia. Uh, the sooner the better. Um, and I think that that's what they decided to do there. Um, and... Uh, so lo and behold, uh, Juventus are Supercopa winners. I got riled up about a few incidents that I caught in the highlights, but still, I'm going to maintain my position, Richard. It's hey, it's a friendly. It's a chance to, you know, showcase the brand in Saudi Arabia, and um, you know, showcase Juve's shiny new toy, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, that's really ultimately what it was about. Um, I. I, I thought of this as a friendly as well, and being a friendly, I took no time in watching this thing because I knew what it was going to be. I knew who was going to win the game, and I knew who was going to get the goal. So um, this is exactly what it was. It's a, it's a show off Ronaldo, and I did see the highlight of the goal, and uh, the crowd did go wild. That's what they wanted to see. They wanted to see Ronaldo score a goal. Um, so they got what they wanted. The crowd was happy for sure. Uh, but did the crowd go wild? I mean, because I, I, I listened to uh... – uh, At least the one one video I saw, it sounded like it. I saw Adam. I, I listened on uh, Sirius XMFC on Grumpy Pundits. Adam, Adam Summerton was on, and it felt like such a, you know, and he, he said what, you know, I kind of was thinking when just from judging from some of the highlights that I saw, it just didn't feel like a very lively atmosphere for a game where there was a cup to be handed out and, you know, and all of this oh, other no, stuff. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, definitely not. Definitely not. It wasn't that, it wasn't that magnitude. Yeah. So... Um, but anyway, I, you know, they, I, I get trying to promote the brand and the Super Cup is really not a bad idea. And they, I think they've in the past gone and, and they, I think they went to Dubai a few years ago and Milan won on penalties over Juventus. Um, you know, so I don't hate the notion of, you know, trying to, uh, take that competition. And I think that they went to, uh, several years ago, they went to China, uh, yeah, um, yeah. went to Beijing. So I don't hate that idea. Uh, you know, when you're trying to promote the brand, so I'm not against it. It's just, uh. You know, you're not going to just don't expect an atmosphere conducive to, you know, two rival clubs and, you know, you know, a, a whole lot of passion that you would see if this was played, say, at the San Siro, if this was even played at the Olimpico and Juve and Milan tra- fans traveled to Rome. So I think my biggest problem with this whole thing is that it's played midseason. If it was played preseason, I'd be all for it. You know, it's a, it's a great way for the guys to get in shape. It's, it's a way to get a trophy. 
but during the season, it's it, just like the FIFA World Cup. I mean, the FIFA Club World Cup. It's during the season. That one's a little bit more understanding, but this thing, the Supercoppa Italiana, in the middle of the, the middle of the winter, it, it's just a joke to me. And I don't get why it's in the middle of the winter. And midweek after playing a round of right, Italian right. matches. I mean, it was yeah, a strangely strangely placed indeed. I, I agree with you there. So, um, you know, but uh, be that as it may, congratulations, Juventus, another cup. Um, Milan, you know, certainly had their chances to go in and win the game. Cutrone hitting the crossbar on the one chance. Um, so uh, I think that Milan can take something from it, but that's another that's another conversation, um, you know, to be had. Uh, we got to see Lucas Paqueta in a big game, and I thought he was, I thought he was pretty good as well. So um, judging yeah, from I some did. of the highlights that I saw. Yeah, yeah. The couple, the few minutes that I did see, he did look. He did look like he was ad, as advertised uh, in the Coppa Italia. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what this guy can bring for the rest of the season. Sure, sure. And um, we uh, we'll talk about Paqueta as a transfer to Milan. We're going to break down the transfers a little bit later on here uh, in the podcast and where teams are at and what they've done. And we'll probably highlight some of the big ones and maybe some of the ones out there that are being speculated. Uh, and go from there. But let's jump into match week 20. Great to have Serie A back. Um, was getting a little bit boring after a while, but uh, uh, the uh, the football of the peninsula this weekend certainly disappoint, didn't disappoint. And it began with Napoli taking on Lazio, or it didn't begin with it. it uh, the, the weekend ended with it, but it was the marquee game. Uh, Napoli second going into it. Uh, Lazio fourth going into the match week, but was sitting fifth because uh, – Roma had won previously, another game that we're going to get to. Um, so last time these two teams were seen, uh, it was a 2-1 win for Napoli at the Olimpico. Um, and uh, this game, Richard, started relatively balanced, in my opinion. What did you make of it? I thought that there were chances uh, there were chances from both teams. And, uh, you know, you could almost argue Lazio could have opened the scoring here in the first 20 minutes. Yeah, I thought it was very balanced. Um, yeah, sure, Napoli had a little bit more of the possession, but I thought uh, Lazio had more of the opportunities as far as on target. Sergei Milinkovic-Savic, was, there was a sighting of him. He had a couple a header on net, um, a couple other plays. He was very lively. Luis Alberto wasn't so much, but I thought Lazio did well in the early stages to get some good opportunities in that um, luckily uh, uh, Napoli's young keeper was able to keep them out, but... Um, it was a good start for Lazio, despite the lack of possession, I should say. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Um, exciting to uh, uh, see how this game started. It was pretty lively, but then I think the home team really, uh, really got settled in and started carving a lot of ch- carving out a lot of chances. In particular, Arkadiusz Milik. Um, yeah, yeah. How he did not come out of this game, I'm I'm still perplexed. How he didn't get out of this game without scoring five goals. The chances that he had. Um, <laughs> Uh, he, you know, he certainly shined in this game. was Was Napoli's best player for me uh, over the course of the match. Let's also remember Napoli playing without Kalidou Koulibaly. Um, yeah, yeah, or Hamsik. Yeah, and you know what? Off the fly, I'm just gonna. This is where I'm gonna step in and tell uh, at the FIGC, go fuck yourselves. Seriously, um, yeah. this is a this is a unique situation. Flat out, you know, if you guys really wanted to take a stand against racism, then um, overturn the red card, overturn the suspension against Koulibaly. It's an absolute disgrace the way this man was treated in that match at Inter. I think that we we covered this exhaustively 
um, you know, in our midseason pod, Richard, when we were talking about, you know, what to take away from the festive period. But to follow up and see that the FIGC – no, no, two-game ban. No, you, you, you got it read. We're going to follow things exactly to the rule. You know what? This won't change until members of the FIGC, Richard, are – and I know we're sidebarring here from the Napoli-Lazio match, and it's a shame that we have to. But this won't change until these idiots that are currently running the show, uh, you know, for the, country's, uh, for the country's football, the FIGC – are you know either retire, resign, or are somehow thrown out? Yeah, they're they're poisoning the game. Um, not like Fulton were destroying the whole game, but things like this that happen are are detriment detrimental to the game. I mean, you want to get racism up, but then you you say, oh, we're against racism and this and that. You have a perfect opportunity to to make yourself look a little bit better, you know, with all, with all the stuff that's going on. And no, they don't they don't do that, and they're not going to because they're. They're hard-headed. They're they're stuck in their ways, and um, they need a change at the top. Absolutely, the whole pretty much everyone in there needs to go and and start fresh because uh, uh, it's the same old same old things will never change if the people stay in place where they're at. And uh, yeah, they can talk all they want how they want to change, and we're against this and that. But until you actually start changing the personnel in there, it's not going to change anything. Just embarrassing to me that I mean, my ancestry traces back to that country, and this is the most. This is one of the most embarrassing elements of where my roots are. And, um, you know, I, 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 it, it needs to change. Things need to change. It's 2019 and, and Italy and the FIGC still operate as if it's still in the, uh, the early to mid 19th century. Uh, and it's a, it's a real shame. So, you know, hopefully we can, hopefully some people can start getting in there that are going to clean this up a little bit and, um, get things, uh, you know, get things into modern times. Let's just say that. So back to the game. Napoli dominated, I think, after that. They they really started taking over the game, carving out a bunch of chances. And finally, a goal from Jose Callejon in the 34th minute, Richard. Um, well worked, well deserved. And uh, for me, Callejon uh, ends a very long drought. He's gone a long time without scoring. Yeah, yeah. And he can thank uh, Dries Mertens for the beautiful pass that set him up. But yeah, his shot... Uh, low near corner, uh, nothing struck I could have done about that. It was just a bullet of a shot. Uh, good for Callejon to get that, and uh, he celebrated as he should when you haven't scored in a long time, just running along the pitch like a little kid. So good Load for him, good for yeah. Napoli. Load off his yeah. shoulders. And just three minutes later, goal of the week candidate, Arkadiusz Milik does score um, on a beautiful free kick. Uh, did you see the replay? When I did. It was a beautiful goal, and it's rare to see Carlo Ancelotti celebrate a goal like he did. He was he he was ecstatic about the goal, and I and it's rightly so. That's a beautiful shot. For me, what was the interesting part was the um, when you see it from behind the goal, they showed the replay from behind the goal, and he that ball like the way Milik struck it was curving towards Strakoja and then curved away from him into the top corner. Yeah. Um, you know, just uh, and and subtly too, because you didn't you don't see that showing up in the. Um, you know, you know, in live action, but uh, the replay showed it. Just a very special goal, very good free kick goal there. Um, and uh, Napoli goes into the dressing room two nil up. Um, and uh, in the uh, second half, uh, Chiro Immobile gets them within a goal and uh, just grabs the ball and runs. Um, I remember reading about earlier in this week. Chiro Immobile says, "When I score against Napoli, I don't celebrate." That's where I'm from. Yep. 
classy gesture that's on his part. And that's his first goal in Naples uh, against Napoli. So, uh, yeah, it's a big goal for him. And, yeah, he's not going to celebrate. just takes the ball and run. Mm-hmm. Um, good good by him. Good by him. Yep, for sure. And um, uh, just a few minutes later, though, Napoli, any, Napoli's comeback efforts would take a big hit. Francesco Itzerbi committing a foul, getting the second yellow, and uh, being sent off. Uh, fair decision there? Yeah, I mean, he picked up the yellow just before that the second goal by Milik, uh, which was a stupid play. And then this one, I thought it was a um, a harsh yellow, but he should have shouldn't have put himself in that position. He got the yellow earlier. He should have known better than to go down uh, already on a yellow. And and so, I mean, there's not much you can do about it at that point. It is a harsh yellow, but it is a yellow nonetheless, I guess, uh, in the eyes of the referees. So, I mean. It is what it is, but that definitely put a nail in the coffin for Lazio once he went out. Because Napoli are going to boss possession anyway. You give him a man advantage, it's over. You're not going to get a chance. I'm sorry. Yeah, and that's uh, that 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 essentially killed the game off that red card. And Napoli will go on and win the game uh, by two goals to one. Um, you know, it's uh, very good. Prof- I mean, Napoli really could have won this running away, Richard. Um, Two one yeah, probably. Milik, Milik shot off the crossbar in the first half. Yep, the bar's still shaking. I think. Yeah, it is. It is, in fact, I'm sure it is. This was resourceful Napoli in the end. I mean, I think they set out to try to destroy Lazio, but I mean, you take a look at this. I mean, the combination of Albiol and Maximovic at center back in place of Koulibaly was very serviceable. Um, you know, they got beat once. Uh, you know, so they they held up. The more I watch Kevin Melqui, the more I like him. Uh, yeah, you know the uh, you know Fabian Ruiz is turning into being one of the. Uh, if you ask a Napoli fan, it's like they'll tell you signing of the season. If you ask a Serie A fan, they'll say, "Yeah, he's getting up there." Um, you know, so you know he was terrific. Kellyon was terrific. I mean, it, it was a great team performance overall um, against the Lazio side that. I don't know what it is with them. They just, for whatever reason, with them in these games, in these when it when it comes time to play the big boys, you know, and we've been through this with the Roman teams, but we've been through this with Lazio in particular. They just get the stage fright when they play the tough opponents, and it's just uh, it's it's why I made that bold prediction in 2019 that I said because you know that they're going to have they may not make Europe altogether. Yeah, our our friend of the show, Marcus Adams, he asked, you know. With Lazio, with a with a with a with their best lineup against Napoli's, you know, so so lineup, not their best lineup, um, they still struggled against Napoli. Why is that? And, and part of it is stage fright. And they they in these big games, they just I don't know if it's the, it's the coaching or what it is or the players, but they just can't live up to the limelight. Um, the players just don't play as well as they they normally do. Um, where was Luis Alberto in this one? Sergei Milinkovic Savic, he did show up a bit in the first half, but. For the most part, was pretty quiet. Immobile, he shows up as he does, but I mean, the rest of the cast, where are they? They're not there. And and tactically, what does Inzaghi do? Not much. It's just uh, the only really good thing he did in this match tactically was he he brought off uh, Lukaku and brought in Correa at halftime, and that proved pivotal because he got the assist and and the Immobile goal. But what else did they do? Well, not much. You can say Mistrakosha, he was decent, but. It's these big games every time. They can play against these minnows very, very well, score five, four or five goals a game. But when these big games come, they just 
divert from their normal play and then it shows. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Agreed. For some reason, you know, for some reason they just don't get it done in these big games. Um, I think that, you know, and here's, it's, it's a, uh, it's a conversation you can have about coaches because uh, Nima Tavali, when he came on, we were, you know, for the Milan Derby earlier in the season, he talked about how Gattuso just seems to just tighten up beyond all belief for these derbies. I mean, they play, Milan will attempt to play a lot of teams more open and more straight up. But then when right. it comes time to play the derby, he tightens up, he lets Inter dominate possession, so on and so forth. And then, um, you know, and he says, and it's a shame because, you know, you don't see what Mi- Milan's true qualities are as a result. Now, um, same thing with Lazio. I don't think they tighten up. I think it's actually the opposite. I think that, you know, Simone Inzaghi wants Lazio to play the same way regardless of who they're playing against. And while it works against the weaker teams and the bottom half teams, they're not strong enough to do it against the better teams. Um, and I think that that's where, that's where it comes in. I think Immobile is still, you know, is going to pop up and get you a goal or two here, but are, are you impressed with what you've seen from Sergei Milinkovic Savic against any big opponent? I'm not, no, um, no. you know, especially this season. Um, you could take a hundred million off his price tag. Yeah. Oh gosh. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, Lotito, you should have just said, you know, <laughs> PSG wanted 170 million from said, Yeah, go ahead here. Take them. Yeah. I'll take that money. I, I would have done it. But anyway, um, you know, so, and I think it's also, it's a, it's a system issue too, because there's, I mean, Luis Felipe, Francesco at Serbi and Stefan Radu with Thomas Rakosha in goal. Are they going to keep one of the big six, any of the big six out? No, and then her, they, their problem got compounded when uh, Luis Felipe got out injured and brought in Lukaku, and he's not much better. And so, yeah, they're not going to stop anybody. No, no, they're not. And um, at Cherby, he's he's decent. He's he's having a really good season so far. But yeah. the rest of the cast, they're not. They're, they can't. They can't hold the water. They miss Stefan de Vrij. Oh yeah, big, big time. time, big time. You know, and I think that that's uh, that's a big problem. I, you know, I think Luis Alberto has had a disappointing first half of the season. Uh, here in the second half of the season, I've seen or here in this game against Napoli, I should say, I saw some glimpses um, that he looks like he's ready to get back on track. I'm not ready to just all of a sudden jump on this bandwagon and say, um, yeah, uh, you know, Luis Alberto all of a sudden is back to that 2017, 2018 player of the season form that we had him in last year. Uh, but, you know, he showed some glimpses today. Uh, you know, in Lucas Leiva, they've got a guy that can do the dirty work in the middle of the park. That I just SMS struggles in these kind of games. You know, they don't have a dependable left wing back. You know, Jordan Lukaku can only do so much. Um, you you brought Demacy over from Real Betis. Let him play a game like this and see what he does. I don't know what's holding them back. Um, so, you know, they're a mystery to me, but they just can't get it done against the big teams. And for that reason, I just I think they're going to fall out of the top six as the season goes on because they're going to drop all of those points. And, you know, we're going to talk about Atalanta. We're going to talk about Fiorentino. We're going to talk about Sampdoria later. We talked about those as three teams that are going to be a problem for everybody in the top six right now. Torino, uh, Torino as well. All four of those teams still look the part after match week 20. So, um, 
there's a lot to worry about here for Lazio. Uh, and uh, a game that, okay, 2-1 looks nice at the San Paolo, but this could have been, as we said, about five or six if Milik finished his chances because he had a bunch of chances to score. He's, he, he had a brilliant yeah. free kick that's yeah. going to be one of our goals of the week. Uh, but, but uh, you know, there's some problems here for Lazio, and I think they're going to start showing themselves here as, as, uh, as, as, as the weeks go on. Yeah, and Zaghi's going to have to figure something out here, uh, especially in these big games, if they want to remain in the Champions League hunt. Otherwise, like you said, they're going to be not only out of Champions League, but maybe out of Europe League altogether. So doesn't get any easier. They have Juventus coming to the Olympico next week. So watch they pull a victory in that one because that's what Lazio does. They won't. They don't win. They don't win against these big teams at home either. I mean, at right now, if I could open up an account and actually bet on sports, anytime Lazio plays one of the top six, I'm going to bet against them until they start beating them. Yeah, this season it's uh they've only got one point so far out of you know what seven games. So yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So. All right, so that was Napoli and Lazio. Did we did we spend enough time on Napoli? I don't feel like we did. I mean, credit them. I mean, I think we did. Uh, but uh, but uh, a quality team win from them in the absence of one of their best players, Khalidou Koulibaly. Uh, Allen didn't even play in this game either. Um, exactly. You know, so Hamshik didn't play, and uh, you know Ancelotti put out a lineup and 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 went out and beat Lazio uh, by two goals to one, giving them some. Very dimming flicker of hope. Six points behind Juventus, although that's going to be nine after Monday when Juventus beats Diego. Uh, so, uh, but uh, at least trying to figure out how they can make it interesting. So Napoli Lazio ended two one. Napoli looking terrific. Lazio, uh oh, big problems here, uh, and I don't know when or if it's going to ever be better for them. So your thoughts on Napoli Lazio? Go to at City. I sit down on Twitter or Instagram. Richard's going to go through a couple of games that were, you know, an undercard by comparison to Napoli Lazio, but turned out to be pretty good. Yeah, so we went to the other side of Rome. Uh, Roma hosting this one, the Stadio Olimpico against Torino, one of the, the fourth team that you said that could cause trouble to some of these top six teams. And they they did pose some trouble in this one for, for Roma for sure. We'll start early this one, the 15th minute. Uh, Roma had a free kick. Uh, obviously, it's going to be taken by, by Alexander Kolarov, as he normally does. His free kick gets knocked down by Fazio right into the path of Nicola Zagnolo. He takes a shot. It's saved, but he musters up the rebound, and from his backside, it seems like, uh, nails a rebound in back of the goal. Just like that, one nothing. Roma, the Roma youngster, gets a goal. He continues to impress me, Frank. I don't know about you, but this uh, this kid Zaniolo seems like the real deal. I get I, another one that the more I watch him, the more impressed I get. Um, and uh, goal of the week for me. Um, just that's such a, a based hard, on hustle alone. Yeah, just a hard finish to accomplish. I appreciate sacrifice. I appreciate you know doing whatever it takes to score a goal. Uh, and and Zaniolo did just that. And um, uh, as he gets better. <clears throat> You know, the, the the better he gets, the more headache Mancini has with the Italian national team. Because just when you think that midfield is set um, with Jorginho, Verratti, and Varela, this this kid's going to have something to say about it here in the next couple of years. 
Yeah, he's going to be in there. He's going to be not only in the one of the first names off the bench, but uh, he may be eventually be in the name in the in the reckoning for the starting position. You know, if he keeps playing like this, so uh, it's a good problem to have. I think if you're Mancini, uh, having a plethora of choices to make because uh, we've seen the other end of the stick too. So uh, this is this is a good spot for uh, Mancini, I think, at this point. Uh, yeah, agreed, agreed. Great goal from Zaniolo to get it started for Roma. Well, Roma did not stop there. In the 34th minute, Stefan El Sharawi, he is taken down in the box by Salvatore Zurigu. Uh, a penalty was called. Alexander Kolarov would step up. He would nail the, po- the spot kick, uh, give Roma a 2-0 lead. Roma look in cruise control. But as we know, Roma don't usually cruise in a match. You don't uh, never, two- never. Uh, wait, stop, stop. You never, Roma, you can never say Roma's in cruise control <laughs> ever. Well, yeah, exactly. They seem like they're cruise control, but yeah, they're never cruise control. Uh, we've seen too many of their matches. They they give up goals left and right, so it's never safe. I don't know. I'm sure Roman fans knew they weren't they weren't safe at two nothing. Um, Torino, they did have a chance to peg one back before halftime. Thomas Rincon set up Iago Falke with a beautifully alone one on one on the goal, but he hits the outside of the post and out. Unfortunately for Torino, they will go down in the halftime, down two nothing. Um, Again, if you're if you're Torino at this point, Frank, uh, if you're if you're Mazzotti, you're telling the, the team, look, hey, Roma gives up goals. We're still in this. This is not a, this, that's not a done deal. Let's keep going. Let's keep hammering it out. Um, that's got to be the message going to be given to his team at halftime, doesn't it? I mean, I Torino actually played very well in the first half. Um, right. You know, and uh, great goal from Zaniolo, and then obviously the penalty against it. Let me ask you this about Torino real quick. Should it be Sirigu or should it be this kid that had, that that uh, that went in for him when Sirigu got hurt? Yeah, that's a that's a that's a tough question. Sirigu's yeah, Sirigu has played very very well for them, but this this kid coming out, he's made some big saves. I mean, he nearly he nearly stole the show against the Juventus in that game. Um, Ronaldo showed him up a little bit in that penalty kick, but other than that, that kid has been that kid was pretty good in my opinion. So I, he's got to get a fair run out of this one, I would think. Um, but yeah, it's it's a tough choice for Mazzari if he thinks. Sirigu is the man to go forward. I guess it's hard to argue with the coach, but yeah, I like the kid very much. He seems like he's uh he's gonna be a special one. Yeah, um, but uh, but nonetheless, uh, when I look at this when I look at this Torino team, they were getting great play from their midfield. Um, Ola Aina, the uh, left uh, wing back for them in that setup, they got to figure out how to keep him permanently. If they haven't already, I'm not sure how that's working out. I know he's on loan from Chelsea. Um, uh, but uh, you know, they they were knocking on the door. They had the chance that hit the post. Uh, that was Rincon again, or was that Iago Falke? That was Iago Falke. The pass Iago was from Rincon. Yeah, the pass was from Rincon. Yes. Um, I was with you. I said, man, uh, how did uh, how is this not two one? Uh, but I think just from that, I think is enough to suggest there's there's a goal coming from Torino at some point, you know, maybe a second. So let's see if they can get in the game. And and I'm sure you're, you're going to, you're going to call that out for us. Yeah. Well, it didn't take long after halftime. John Solano's favorite player, Daniela De Rossi gives it away as he normally does. Uh, He gives it away. Andrew Balotti, he gets a shot opportunity. It gets blocked. It goes right to Rincon. Rincon though, make sure his shot doesn't get blocked and shoots it in the back of the net. 2-1 Torino, just like that. They're into the match. Um, they got to be feeling good because that's the goal that you were talking about, Frank, coming out of halftime. Get that goal, and then you have a chance at a second. 
Well, that second goal would come uh, just 16 minutes later in the 67th. A Lorenzo Di Silvestre cross gets knocked away by the Roma defense, but it went right to Christian Ansaldi, and uh, he volleys it out of the air into the back of the net. Roma imploding as they do, and it's square at two, Frank. At this point, you got to give the, the advantage to Torino coming back from two goals down and then level it up within, you know, 20, 20, 30, 25 minutes in the first half or second half. Definitely had the momentum and definitely had Roma shaken. Um, a lot of credit to Christian Ansaldi. Play, he's out of position and yeah. was outstanding in this game. Um, you know, and, and had a goal to had a goal to go with it. Uh, so, um, but yeah, they, you know, Roma. They've they've seen this movie plenty of times. Unfortunately for uh, for Giallo Rossi fans. Um, but uh, Torino's right back in it, and uh, this is just you know what you get with uh, with Torino and with this with the fighting spirit under uh, Mazzari. Yeah, and and you wonder what Roma was thinking. What how could they counter this? And you got to give them credit; they fought back, uh, gave up two goal lead just like that. And then you know what? See that equalizer happen in the sixty seventh minute. They did not fight. They did not quit. Uh, they made sure that they, uh, their good start did not go to waste. Excellent hold-up play by Patrick Schicke. Finds a wide-open Lorenzo Pellegrini. He slides a pass all the way to uh, Stefan Alcharawi, who makes no mistake about it. 3-2. Roma win. Uh, beautiful goal. Beautiful play overall by Roma in that play. But uh, it, was a, it was a hectic game if you're a fan of Roma. But hey, uh, the, nonetheless, they got the three points when it looked like in the 67th minute that the game was going to be pretty much over at that point. But uh, hey, Three points is three points. You get a win, get out of there. Lesson learned, hopefully, from the falters of the earlier in the season. But um, El Shadawi, he's he's doing it for Roma. Yeah, I mean, El Shadawi was terrific in this game. Um, yeah, he really was. So was Lorenzo Pellegrini, and, and from a deeper role than what he what made him so good in the first half of the season, too. Um, you know, so I think that has to be taken into consideration as well. So, um you know, all in all, a very good performance for Roma. Got the two-goal lead. Uh, Torino hit back. You had to. We we expected that they would the way they were playing, um, but Roma found a way to get it done and uh, and come away with a win here. So, you know, give them credit if they go if they go and and reach the Champions League and hit the top four. Um, they're going to look at this game as a as a big reason why they were able to accomplish that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the fight they showed in this game, uh, they had adverse, so much adversity in this game, but they kept fighting, found a way to win. That's uh, It could ultimately be big three points that could see them in the Champions League spot coming into the season, like you said. So, uh, But for Torino's side, do you do you hang your head low that you lost? you know, Or do you say, look, hey, we came back from two goals, we tied it up, and we just we were unlucky to lose? Um, how, do you, how do you take this if you're a Torino in this one, this loss? They, if if they want to take that leap, okay. We we have talked about Atalanta, Fiorentina, Sampdoria, so you know the collection of teams. How Serie A is really a top ten and not really a top six, and if they're that tenth team, and if they want to start taking that leap and be a serious um, contender for Europe, this is a game that if you get to two two, you got to figure out how to close out and get that point away at a tough opponent, you know, that's sitting in front of you, um, you know, and, and I think that that's where the issues are here with uh you know with torino um you know they get there and they can't close it out 
they get there and they can't finish it up, whether it's a draw. And, you know, all season long, you know, they've put up a very respectable season, you know, with Andrea Bolotti struggling. Um, you know, so they're, 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 the guy that they got to look to as their goal scorer is not getting it done. They're sitting there in 11th on 27 points. Um, you know, six points separates fourth from 11th. And, you know, there's a handful of games here that for this reason, you know, for this reason or for that, they could very well be sitting top five, top six at the moment. But, you know, they have enough shortcomings where they just they just can't get over the top. And, you you know, Matsari has done an outstanding job with this team. It's just you start to wonder how much farther can he really take them. Is it as simple as if Andrea Bellotti starts scoring goals that they'll be in the right place, or is it a little bit more to that, like their defense, or, or what do you see need they need more work on? Well, you think their defense will be better. They have a terrific central center back in in Encolo. Um is a very experienced goalkeeper. Ikazo came in and, and, and filled in admirably when Sidigu uh, was hurt. Uh, you know, so the pieces are there defensively, uh, you know, to get it done. And there's talent all over the pitch. I mean, Iago Felke, uh, Daniele Vasselli didn't pay, play in this game. Rincon uh, having a nice season. Um, you know, yeah, Bellotti needs to get it going. But, you know, the other pieces need to just continue to hammer away as well. Defensively, they can't get caught napping like they did on some of the goals that they conceded here. I mean, the Zaniola goal, sometimes, that, that one you throw your arms in the air and say, hey, well done, young man. That was, that was creative. But, you know, the, you know to let... El Shadawi be able to get in so easily was, you know, wasn't a good thing. Uh, you know, that led to the penalty. And then uh, just to not have the numbers and the commitment when, when Roma countered and set up to get El Shadawi's winner. So, you know, Torino are, it's, it's like, it's like the myth of Sisyphus with them. They're, they're getting it all the way to the, the, the big boulder, all the way to the top of the hill. And then something whether it's defenders, midfielders, strikers, doesn't go right, and that big boulder goes all the way back to the bottom, and they got to start all over again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's so let's hope that they can figure it out. Hopefully, Belotti can figure it out, and then they can really make a push. Uh, these these those four teams that you mentioned, if they can make a push towards the towards those European spots, it could be very very interesting coming down the stretch, and we can really see what teams are made of if those four teams are pushing the top six uh, to see. Who really should get those the the Champions League and Europe League spots? Because that would be a fantastic race if uh, those four teams pushed those top six to the end. Yep, for sure, for sure. Let's see, let's see what they can uh, let's see what they can provide. So. Well, speaking of, speaking of teams that are trying to push the top six, uh, two two of those two of the other teams that you mentioned that are, are of those four teams with Atalanta and um, Torino, Sampdoria and Fiorentina, they were actually played each other in this one. This would be in Fiorentina. Uh, this would be a, a debut for Luis Marial uh, with Fiorentina. He got signed during the January window. Um, in the 14th minute, uh, Edmilson Fernandez. Uh, I mentioned him because he picks up a yellow, and I want people to keep that in mind. Uh, 20 minutes later, 34th minute, off a of Sampdoria turnover, Luis Muriel, the, the guy I just mentioned who makes his debut, picks it up at midfield. He marauds down the pitch. Slots it in home uh, far post in a classy gesture. Does not he raises his hands? Does not celebrate because uh, the goal against his former employer. But just like that, Fiorentina are up one nothing. Um, 
five minutes though after the goal, it was celebration mode in 34th minute for Fiorentina. In the 39th minute, not so much. Uh, the man we mentioned earlier, uh, Edmilson Fernandez, he picks up his second yellow and a red for putting La Viola, and puts La Viola down 10 men. Uh, Frank, this is a stupid, stupid foul by him. And you, the look on uh, Federico Chiesa's face says it all. He was just like, are you kidding me? We're still in the first half and you picked up two yellows? What the heck is this? It was kind of funny because I was kind of reading the tweets before this match and I saw Chloe you know, tweeting her excitement that Lemuriel was getting to start. But she also didn't like the midfield. <laughs> so, and I wonder why. That's what happened. You see what happened. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so it's um, – it's, uh, <sighs> were some of these other guys just not available that this kid gets a run out, this Ed, Ed Millicent gets a, gets a run out? I mean uh, – yeah, just maybe, pl- just give, maybe maybe Pioli just gave him a chance, you know. He's like, "Hey, why why not? It's against Sampdoria. Let's give it a try." I don't know. Yeah, I'll, I don't. I, I don't know what the thinking was there. He sees what goes on in training. We don't. Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but that happened. Uh, that happened after the. Uh, that happened after the goal. That happened after uh, Fiorentina pulled ahead, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Muriel, Muriel scored five minutes before that in the thirty-fourth minute. Um, and then the guy that Fernandez took down to get that second yellow, uh, Gaston Ramirez, he nearly got a goal just before halftime. Uh, he had a free kick. Uh, it was hit off the post. Uh, looked like he was in level of score, but um, Lafont, there was nothing he could have done about it, and Gaston Ramirez pulls one back, makes it 1-1 going into halftime. Um, it's not the halftime, not the halftime score that Fiorentino wanted to see, 1-1. They thought... Uh, they would have gone in with a lead, but when Fernandez gets a red card and puts your team down, it's kind of hard not to go in without conceding a goal. In, indeed. Um, another goal of the week counted. A great free kick uh, by Ramirez. Yeah. Oh, yeah, off the post and in. But earlier, Quadrilla missed an easy one. Did you see that? Yeah, and he doesn't do that too often. It's like, uh, uh, okay, so um, – he 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 scores all the hard ones, but he misses the easy ones. It's uh, it's yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> you know, kind of kind of how he does it. So, um, but anyway, um, great free kick there uh, to uh, to to give Sampdoria a chance here in uh, pole level. So, and the first goal for Muriel, he did a pretty much a solo effort from from midfield. Uh, he would look to duplicate that in the seventieth minute again. Uh, this time receiving a pass from Chiesa in his own half. Uh, he uh, took it down the pitch uh, before sliding home the, the goal far post. Uh, brilliant move to get around not only Joachim Anderson, but also Nikola Mamuru uh, before he was off to the races. Frank, uh, brace for the Colombian. What a way to make your home debut or your, just your debut in general for Fiorentino with your new team uh, to score two goals, two breakaway goals, basically, uh, just like that within uh, the first 70 minutes of the game. And against your former team, too. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and classy on him on both occasions, really. I mean, yeah, he showed a little bit more behavior there on the uh, second goal, but, you know, did celebrate on the first one, but, you know, deserved to. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, I, uh, I think that Fiorentina just got that much more dangerous. Uh, you know, you already look at Simeone and Chiesa. It looks like Muriel's at third piece because they've been, you know, trying to figure out who's that third guy for us in this attack. And uh, uh, this guy's coming in and uh, come, you know, getting a brace right off the bat. Uh, mm. That's uh, that's adding another dyma- dynamic to this team. 
And we talk about Fiorentina as one of those teams that they look like they're equipped to make that push. Uh, and maybe maybe Muriel after uh, coming off this brace is the guy that helps make helps get him there. Yeah, and Simeone is not really the fastest of guys, so to have Muriel, a pacey guy like that, now you got a dynamic there. It could be very, very dangerous for Sampdoria or uh, for Fiorentina going forward, and this is going to be an interesting thing going uh, to see what they can what they can do about it because uh, it looks like Lu- Luis Muriel came to play uh, as he did in La Liga, so and as he's done in the past in Serie A, so uh, this will be interesting to see how they go going forward and they can continue scoring goals like this. Um, the game, you know, Fiorentina were up two one at this point. Uh, things are looking good, but then Victor Hugo Hugo. Uh, he, I don't know what he was thinking. He got a blatant handball in the box. Um, that leads to a penalty, um, and it was powerfully put away by old man Fabio Quagliarella. Uh, Sampdoria level in the game right there in the 81st minute, and you're thinking, okay, Sampdoria found a way to uh, get a point out of this one. That They weren't done there. Don Fabio, uh, just four minutes later, using his intelligence ways, his, uh, his experience, evaded two Viola defenders, putting away a brace, uh, gives Sampdoria a 3-2 lead, Surely the game's over at 3-2 in the 85th minute, right, Frank? I don't think so. It's uh, That's why they play the games, right? Mm-hmm. And it's still Sampdoria away, let's not forget. Anything yeah. can happen. Anything can happen and anything did happen. Uh, in the third minute to stoppage time, in the last-ditch effort, if you will, Jordan Veratu plays it out wide to Chiesa. He crosses it into the box. It gets deflected. Uh, and in the back post, German Petzela taps home the goal. Ties the game three three a thriller. Uh, what a, what a game! A lot of goals. If you love goals, this is the game for you. Um, not so much defensively, but hey, um, all around great effort. You know, two braces in this game. Uh, both teams both teams deserve a point in this one. I think. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, Sampdoria have been such a disappointing team away through the, you know. When Edda Milson got that red card, you would have fancied Sampdoria to go on and win the game, and they probably should have. They had their opportunities to do so. Uh, but they gave Fiorentina some pretty easy and some pretty cheap goals here. I mean, for Muriel's second goal, which was, you know, uh, you know, a joy to watch. It's 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 on my watch for goals of the week for, for our top five. Um, it's also everything you need to know about Sampdoria when they play away, and nothing's nothing's for certain with them. Um, except that they're either, they're, they more than likely are going to drop points. Uh, so I, you know, I, I, I like the result from them. They got the penalty quite, you know, put that away, scored another one to, uh, to put them ahead three, two, but again, close it out. I mean, we were, we're talking about teams struggling to close it out. We're talking about late, uh, you know, late goals here. Um, that are that are impacting games that are giving points to teams that you know they're they're walking out of there saying man we this should have been a draw we won the game uh or hey uh we should have won this game instead we're looking at two drop points uh so you know another story here with Sampdoria should have been able to take advantage of of having the man advantage especially with the players at their disposal uh and they just didn't get it done yeah that's uh that's unfortunate uh yes the, the, you know, it does tell you teams usually when they go down ten men, they do play a little bit better, uh, especially defensively. But still, you got a, a man advantage in this one. You got to give, you got to get more opportunities. You can't let them score not one but two goals uh, while you're while, while you have the advantage. That, that's that's ridiculous. One goal, okay, I can see that, but 
giving up two goals that's that's uncalled for i'm sorry that's um that's on john marco uh that's on that's on the manager that's on the whole team really um that's unacceptable in my opinion yep uh look like uh you know some you know obviously quiet had a, was was good caprari had a had a good game as well Gaston Ramirez with the great free kick. So going forward, it looked great. Uh, the combination of uh, Lorenzo Tonelli and Yoki Manderson, um, you know, conceding a couple of goals there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you'd like to see a little better from them. But uh, nonetheless, uh, a, uh, a, good, uh, a good game if you're in neutral. It had everything. It had late goals. It had a red card. It had... It had some well-taken goals. Uh, Ramirez's uh, free kick and Muriel's second goal are, you know, in the in in frame for uh, uh, goals of the week, or, or you know, among the contenders. I already know which one is mine. Uh, so, so this game had a little bit of everything. And when Fiorentina and Sampdoria, when you got two sides like that, you can expect some interesting stuff. Yeah, and then these are two teams that know how to score, and uh, they're always fun games to watch, especially when they play each other. So, hey, um, I'll t- I'll take more of these three three games uh, that I can take. So they're they're fun to watch as a neutral. Agreed, agreed, agreed. So, you know, we're talking about those four teams. Uh, well, with Sampdoria, Fiorentina, and Torino, uh, Torino no points, and then uh, a point for. Um, uh, each of Sampdoria and Fiorentina. So certainly, uh, you know, certainly they're still contenders in my opinion because everything's just so darn close from 4th to 11th, as I said earlier. Uh, but uh, sharing points here, I'd like to start seeing these guys get some separation, these teams in particular, and really start to threaten the, uh, you know, the status quo of Syria and make this interesting. Not at Milan's expense, of course, as a Milan fan. Maybe at Lazio and Roma's expense. <laughs> um, but, you know, they're, they're, they're sharing points at the moment, which, you know, when that happens, you're looking at guys like, you're, you know, you're looking at teams like Milan and Lazio and Roma are looking at that and saying that's that's a bit of a relief for us. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, nonetheless, they're all competitive. They're showing that they, they've got the ability. So uh, let's see. Uh, let's see what they do going forward now. Well, that wraps up uh, the two main sub sub cards, if you will, uh, from from the weekend. Uh, what you got for the rest of us? Yeah, let's get to the rest here. Uh, there were five other games over the weekend on uh, match week twenty. Let's uh, break them down now. All right. Uh, so I'm gonna whip right through this. Um, uh, here, are these five games, Richard, and then we'll just kind of. Uh, you know, bullet point a few things. Uh, you know, Saturday we opened with Roma and Torino, as you uh, narrated for us. Udinese took on Parma. That was the second game on Saturday. Um, Parma wins 2-1 on the road at the Dacia, uh, moving them into ninth. So they're back in the top half of the table. Roberto Inglesi getting a penalty uh, after a VAR review, which I thought was a correct decision. Yes, um, I did too. To go to VAR, I think uh, Jovino was fouled in the penalty area there. So uh, 1-0. Uh, Udinese's new boy, Stefano Okaka, getting a goal to equalize. And then Jovino scoring a man's goal uh, on a counterattack. <laughs> um, to, uh, not as good as the one he did in the first half of the season, but uh, pretty damn impressive. Parma winning 2-1. Um, 
the Saturday concluded with Inter and Sassuolo. Inter's bogey team, Sassuolo, continues to be a bogey team, and this ended up goalless. Inter and Sassuolo did not get the memo that there was goals all over the place this weekend. Neither team scored. <laughs> uh, so we have uh, we have a, uh, a stalemate there. Uh, and I'll tell you what, uh, this wasn't Inter dominating and not being able to score. Sassuolo had their chances. Uh, watched yeah. a lot of this game, particularly Kevin Prince Boateng had a number of chances, uh, you know, in this game. And, um, you know, just watching a few guys from each of the teams, I thought uh, D'Ambrosio was really good for Inter um, and Sensi for, for Sassuolo. Okay, I get the buzz now. Thank you. Uh, why he's so highly thought of and why teams are interested in him. He's he's a talent uh, in the middle of the park there for the Nero Verdi. Nil-nil uh, it ended there. Uh, Sunday's proceedings opened up with Duban Zapata and everybody else. Um, Atalanta <laughs> going on the road, winning 5-0. Uh, Giuseppe Mancini opened the scoring, uh, uh, but it was the Duban Zapata show after that, scoring four. Um, uh, and Atalanta just absolutely burying Frozenoni. Uh, honorable mention to uh, Papu Gomez, who's largely responsible for this. I mean, I don't think he had any assists on the board. I've got to go and look at that. But I'll tell you what, um, the influence he has in this Atalanta side is uh, nothing short of impressive. Uh, but uh, Atalanta winning away at Frosinone, the struggles continue uh, for the promoted side. Um, Spall and Bologna, a 1-1 draw. Rodrigo Palacio with a goal of the week uh, with a top-five contender. Uh Cancelled out by Yasmin Kritic. And then Cagliari and Empoli. Very entertaining game, this. 2-2 uh, the final. Uh, it was Pavoletti opening the scoring. Uh, and then Empoli would equalize with Di Lorenzo. And then Zaic uh, making it 2-1. And it would be uh, Farias scoring in the 91st minute for the Sardinians to get the 2-2 draw. Uh the glaring one there, Richard, uh, Inter. Uh, again, Sassuolo uh, is a thorn in their side. Yeah, yeah. And if it wasn't for Samir Hamdanovic, it could have been an embarrassing loss. He made some huge saves, two on, two on Prince Boateng, and then another one on someone else. Um, he came up big for them because other, other than that, not many people showed up, showed up for Inter. Um, some of the guys, you said Ambrosi had a good game, Politano I thought it was decent, uh, but it's not good enough if you want to be battling for not only Champions League spots, but for trying to get a Scudetto or at least get into the second spot. Uh, that's not good enough. The bogey team or not, that's not good enough. No, definitely, uh, definitely agree there. And uh, we keep saying that that Atalanta, wow, that machine just keeps on humming. And that's what it looks Ooh. like when you play Zapata up front, right? Yeah, yeah, no kidding about it. That, he, heading into this one, I mean, well, after this is all said and done, um, the amount of goals that he scored, I think it's something like he's up to like uh, 13 in his last seven matches or something crazy. It's it's crazy. 14 in the last eight. Uh, he's on a uh, a crazy tear at the moment, and uh, <laughs> he's living. He's he's already got his career high in just uh, whatever you know a season, a half a season. So uh, good for him. Um, the three-headed monster is is tried and true now at Atalanta. They got you know Papu Gomez, they got Ilicic, now they got Duvan Zapata nailing the goals. Good for them. Yeah. Definitely, uh, definitely agree with that. Uh, if only uh, Gasparini had the sense to play uh, Zapata all season up front instead of Varro at the beginning of the season. You'd wonder where Atalanta would be in this table right now. Um, just saying, just saying. 
So, <laughs> um, Bologna needing, I mean, they, they need to get three points out of games like these, and they had the lead. Um, I mean, this is a direct rival for relegation. And if, you know, I made the prediction that I think that they can still get out, they've got the talent to do so. Um, Palacio scoring it was an assist from Ricardo Rossellini. See people, see what happens when you play Ricardo Rossellini. You're gonna yep. get po- you're gonna get points. Play Rossellini, get points. That's what he need. You know, that's what people needs to focus on. So, um, you know, but uh, you know the rest of it. Uh, you know, Cagliari Empoli very entertaining game for two teams in the bottom of the ha- bottom half, and Cagliari seem to be, you know, consolidating their place in Serie A for next season. Uh, at least doing a very good job of that, but. Uh, you know, uh, how about Parma now back in the top half? Yeah, they just they just don't die. They're uh, we thought Sassuolo was going to have such great. They had a great start, and they thought they're going to stay around, but they did not. Parma though is uh, I'm telling you, those two signings of Gervinho and Inglés is really proving pivotal for them because they're getting all the goals at the moment. Um, their defense is doing enough. Luigi Sepe is making some big saves as he did in the game against Udinese. So, um. Looks like uh, they're going to be sticking around another season unless they really, really implode, and I don't see that happening at the way at the moment because those two two dogs in the in the, in the top of their lineup they're uh, they're doing a lot of work and they're doing good work. So good for Parma. It's a, it's a great story to see. Um, not only are they back in Syria, but they're playing so well in Syria and they're back in the top ten. So uh, good for them. Good for them. Good story. Yep. Yep. Definitely, and uh, glad to see them. Glad to see that familiar face as a uh, 90s Italian football buff uh, uh, back among the teams. And uh, let's see if they can let's see if they can carry it on. Uh, definitely agree with you there. So looking at the table, Richard, um, and uh, we can do a quick preview of the games that are going to take place on Monday. But looking at the table, uh, Juve uh, with a game in hand over Napoli. They have 53, Napoli 47, Inter 40, Roma 33. Lazio 32, Milan 31, Atalanta 31. Uh, Milan has a game in hand over Atalanta. They'll play that tomorrow against uh, at Genoa. Sampdoria 30, Parma 28, Fiorentina and Torino 27, Sassuolo 26. Man, dogfight for the European places is probably the best way to say it. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's a good problem to have in Syria. I mean, arguably you can say the top 11 teams are all battling for the European, European spots. Well, Ten of the eleven, I should say. Juventus are running away with this, but um, yeah, no, it's it's a it's a definitely a good problem to have, and hopefully we get to see some um, some upsets here in this uh, top ten. We'll see. Are Inter safe in the Champions League places, or are, is there enough fragility that you could say, hey, uh, they do have Spalletti as manager? This is just the team that could collapse and fall out of the top four. I I I, I think they're safe, but. I'm just I'm trying to trying to create a story here. I think <laughs> um, they are they are a fragile team. However, what's in their favor is there's uh, Roma's fragile, Lazio's fragile, Milan's fragile. Uh, those three teams are fragile too. So as much as uh, Inter may falter, those other three teams may falter as well. So I think Inter are safe at the moment. Um, I don't know if they're going to be able to put it together and catch Napoli because Napoli are they seem like the real deal. Um, unless they somehow implode, but it's, the question is now who's who's going to get third and, and Inter have the pole position for that. Sure, sure. They're in that spot. They're seven points clear of Roma at the moment, but um, and should be relatively safe. I think they'll rebound after what happened against... Sassuolo is just one of those teams they just can't figure out. It is what it is. 
Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, very interesting. Going to the bottom of the table, uh, Bologna in 18th on 14 points, Frosinone on 10 points, Kievo on 8 points. You got Empoli on 17, Spal on 18, Udinese on 18. So four points separating 15th from 18th. Um, like I said, I think Bologna is getting out, uh, and those three teams, Udinese, Spal, Empoli, any one of them could could drop and uh, drop with Frozenoni and Chievo because for all intents and purposes, I think Frozenoni and Chievo are, uh, are already relegated. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Frozenoni is giving up goals galore. Chievo are just not good enough, especially now that they lost a guy we'll talk about later. Um, so really it's up to Empoli. Can their goal scorers keep him up and, and, and Spal, you know, can they keep fighting to get these points uh, like they have been? So it's going to be interesting, but definitely Frosinone and Kievo, they're going down. Yep, for sure, for sure. Should uh, should make for a very entertaining uh, stretch. Uh, plenty of things uh, to keep an eye on here as we uh, go through. There's still 18 game weeks left after this. Let's, uh, let's jump in real quick, Richard. Let's start with uh, Milan at Genoa. Some noteworthy things. Christoph Piantek is suspended for Genoa. Uh, mm-hmm. Gonzalo Higuain not in the 23-man for Milan. What? Yep. What does that mean, huh? I wonder what that means. Yep. Something is imminent. Yep. I mean, and this is going to segue into our next conversation, but um, you, can, you can only imagine that uh, something is uh, something is going to happen. And you know, But it makes you wonder, well, if this was going to – they also talked about Higuain to Chelsea while the Supercopa was going on, but Gattuso still put him on as a substitute anyway. More of that yeah, exactly. baffling Gattuso substitutions, right? So, oh man, does does uh, Genoa can? I mean, it's at Genoa, it's at the Marassi, so yeah, Genoa has a chance, don't they? They do have. They have Christian Kawame. He is a fantastic player. Um, so if he plays, they got a chance. If he's not playing, then not so much. Uh, they're Piantic is already not playing, so they need Kwame to play, and he they need to play well. He does; he's played well all season. So if he's playing, he they got a chance. But um, that's 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 a big key because his name is swirling around too. So um, we'll we'll see tomorrow when the lineups come out uh, whether he's starting or not. But I would anticipate he will be, and I would anticipate that he would he would be the the, the goal scorer and opportunist uh, for Genoa against Milan, and they have to keep an eye on him because uh, he is a. He's a crafty player. He's a tricky player. He's quick. He's got good vision. So um, he's a, he's a talented, talented player, and that's someone you have to worry about. Not only Milan, but anyone in Syria. Uh, we should see the league debut for Lucas Paqueta for Milan. Uh, yes. And I'm very excited about this. Uh, the kid's already put in a, a good Copa performance. He's put in a, you know, played well in the Super Copa. So uh, a guy that's so far off to a really good start. Yeah, he looks like the he looks like the part, doesn't he? He's um he's smooth on the ball. He he he's just just enough moves to get around defenders. It looks like he's not even trying, but he's he makes it look so effortless, but he's um he's doing well so far. And it's still early. He had a good shot in his uh in his his debut uh for Milan that just went over the bar, but um he should be he should be contributing a lot offensively and overall to Milan cuz he's got a good work ethic as well. So uh look forward to seeing more of this player. Excellent stuff. Uh, do you want to do you want to render a prediction on this? Um, I'm going to say two one Milan. Paqueta scores in his uh, debut. I'm with you. I go Milan two, uh, Genoa one. Uh, Cutrone scores. I don't know if Paqueta scores. 
Um, but uh, the Rossoneri, uh, you know, will take advantage of uh, <clears throat> being able to play Genoa without their top man, who could be uh, Milan's uh, goal scorer here in the future. So, um, all right. So, Juve, Kieva, we don't have to waste a whole lot of time here. Juve's going to win 2-0. That's it? Yeah. <laughs> they don't blow anybody out that's not Juve's style they're gonna win 2-0 they're gonna say hey we're gonna get a couple of goals we're gonna manage the game and you we're gonna this, get the hell out of there you think this irks um Ronaldo says you know he loves these blowout games when he did with Real Madrid he just blow out the minnows and he's like what well, I can't blow them out what the what is this BS I gotta hold it back hold back the reins he gets paid um, he gets paid either way I don't think he cares yeah, that's true. As long as he gets, as long as he gets a goal, he's he's happy. So, indeed. Um, yeah, no, two nothing is probably a, a good good shout. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go adventurous here. And I'm gonna say three nothing. Three zero. Okay, I got I got two nil standard standard two nil win for Juve. So, uh, your your guys' thoughts? Oh, by the time this comes out, games will have already been played. But at uh, Serie sit down on Twitter or Instagram that if you do hear this after the game, give us your reaction uh, to what you saw. Uh, let's do a little transfer talk. Okay, Richard, I think we'll round things up with, uh, the, uh, what's going on with Serie A teams in the January transfer window. We're all always, uh, uh, you know, exposed to, uh, what the, uh, what's going on in the Premier League and what's going on with some of the big names in January and maybe the uh, Serie A stuff, you know, we got to look a little deeper. We got to go through DiMazio. We've got to go through some of these other uh, websites. So, and while January is not always the uh, most attractive, uh, you know, transfer window, it's not one that I've always been a big fan of. There has been some relatively decent uh, moves that have already been made and some yet to be made, which some that we've already hinted at. So, um, so why don't we just kind of go through this? Um, I'm just going to run off some noteworthy names of, uh, players that have already, uh, uh, been on the, been moved or, or that sort of thing. And, and we'll go from there. Uh, uh, Atalanta, nothing really earth shattering. Um, Bologna, uh, Roberto Soriano, uh, his loan with Torino ended, so Villarreal has uh, loaned him to Bologna now for the rest of the season, and also Nicolas Sansoni back in Serie A uh, and part of mm-hmm. the Bologna setup as well. Um, you know, Cagliari got Walter Birsa. Walter Birsa got to leave that Kievo Verona nightmare for the cost of 2.25 million euros. Mm-hmm. Um, Kievo uh, themselves really haven't done anything exciting. Uh, nor has Empoli, uh, Fiorentina, as we mentioned, Luis Muriel on loan from Sevilla, uh, and uh, made his debut by getting a brace. Uh, uh, Genoa, nothing, nothing terribly exciting uh, on that front. Frozenoni, same thing. Inter uh, should be noted that uh, well, Gabigol did come back from Santos from his loan, but they sent him right back to Brazil, where he will play for Flamengo. Um, Juve has nothing going on. Lazio, nothing going on. Um, as of as of this Milan, Lucas Paqueta uh, arriving from Flamengo. Um, Napoli, uh, and we'll talk about the rumored stuff here shortly, Richard. Nothing uh, exciting with them. Parma, uh, Juraj Kuchka returns to Serie A from Traps on Spore. 
formerly with the Rossoneri, now with Parma. Um, Roma, uh, it looks like uh, they haven't done anything uh, terribly earth-shattering. Uh, you know, Sadiq came back from his loan at Rangers, uh, but he's headed back on loan to Perugia. Uh, Sampdoria Manolo Gabbiadini coming in from some Southampton. Uh, let's see how he gets along with Fabio Quadrirola in that setup. Mm-hmm. Uh, fee of just under 11 million pounds uh, British. Uh, after that, not a whole lot to get excited about. Um, Stefano Okaka joining Udinese. So a lot of average signings would probably be the best way. Nobody, nobody earth-shattering yet. Not yet, but um, we got a couple more days, I think, come Tuesday. Maybe after this podcast is released, we'll help you. She's, knowing our luck, as soon as the podcast gets released, that's when the, the trades will happen or whatever. Uh, but, yeah, as of yet, nothing uh, nothing really amazing happening. Luis Muriel is a great pickup for Fiorentina. He's obviously scored two goals already. Um, uh, Stefano Okaka for Udinese scoring a goal already. Uh, so, yeah, uh, the couple signings that we've had so far, they're already paying off. Um, Walter Biersa had a good uh, debut for Cagliari also this weekend. So, um, yeah, no, it's just, they're average players. They're, they're good players for the team that they, they joined. They will help them, certainly. I'm, a, I'm very curious to see if the two signings that Bologna picked up, will they get them out of the relegation zone? Um, I, know you think, I know you think they will. Um, I'm still on the fence. I, I love the, I love, I'm looking forward to seeing Sansone back in Serie A. So, um, yeah, it's all right so far. Yeah, uh, I agree. Now let's talk about some of the speculated that are out there. Uh, talk that uh, Gonzalo Higuain could leave Milan. Well, he's 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 technically owned by Juventus uh, for Chelsea. Uh, the fact that he is not in Milan's squad for the trip to Genoa is a telltale sign. As a result, Milan looked like they're going to bring, uh, or they're in talks to bring, Christoph Piantec uh, to the San Siro. Um other noteworthy ones that uh, we're keeping track of. Um, Aaron Ramsey uh, could be joining Juventus next season. Uh, yep. Depending on what you read and where you read it, that he, that deal is already done and that he has signed a pre-contract and that will join on a free in the fall or in the, to, to begin the uh, 2019-2020 season. Uh and then uh, Christian Kuwami to Napoli. I think these are the real big ones that we're tracking at the moment. But Richard, let's let's talk about the Ramsey one first. I mean, does anyone do free transfers better than Juventus these days? These days, no. Um, they they seem to get the um, the best available free players. Though I am not so high on this one as I was with say Emery Chan or something. But yeah, Juve does these free transfers. As, as well as anyone at the moment, and uh, they seem to find those uh, contracts out that are expiring and, and, and try to sign them to the pre-contract. So good for them because uh, we know as Milanisti that we know all about the free transfers because we had we dealt with that for so long. They weren't as high-quality high players as the ones Juventus get, but, you know, they uh, they were free transfers nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, it just uh, you know, boggles the mind how they get these. I mean, they... They're fine with just, you know, not having to pay anything and then just using, you know, the wages, I guess, is probably the way they do it. You know, how do you feel about this Ramsey deal? I don't hate it. I mean, when he makes his appearances, when he makes his spot appearances for Arsenal, he's pretty good. So 
and and I, I get that. I, and I totally get that. Just to me, it seems like he's going to be riding the bench. And sure, he'll be decent when he's out there. But he's not going to be part of that main core that plays the majority of the games. And so uh, a lot of people are touting this as like, oh, he's going to make Juventus so much better. I'm like, I'm like, eh. He's just another player that they have that they can, if they get injuries, they have a depth player. You know, that's all it is to me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, Iguain going possibly to Chelsea, Piontek possibly to Milan. Uh, on a scale of one to ten, Tain saying slam dunk. Uh, all that's left is the signatures. Uh, one fat chance. That's just all dreamed up. Uh, where do you see this right now, as of this recording? Iguain to Chelsea, ten. Um, no, not playing, not in the lineup at, at all not on the squad for uh, for tomorrow's matchup. I say it's something's eminent, so I think that's a 10. Piantic to Milan, um, if you told me this a week ago, I would have told you it would have been a 5 at best. Uh, the sources that have been coming out talking about this lately, uh, including Di Marzio, I'm going to say this is probably a 9.5 at the moment. Um, uh, those are the two ones, main, main two ones you want me to talk about right now? Yeah, I mean... No, no, no. That's no. That's 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 what I was. That's what I was trying to get. I I'm with you there. It's it's. I think Higuain's as good as gone, and I think Piontek is all of a sudden coming to Milan. So, um, here's what worries me about Piontek, and I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about the deal for for Milan. Sure. First of all, I got a we've got a Higuain that on the pitch he goes about it the right way emotionally as a player. I mean, I think that those were real feelings in the loss to Juve. I think that those were real feelings at the end of the Supercopa. Um, I don't think he's, I don't think that he's fabricating any of that stuff. I don't think he's manufacturing it. Um, I think that he's a competitor and on the pitch, he, he sees some things that he doesn't like and he's going to call it out and he's going to get angry about it. I think, when you encompass everything, I don't know how thrilled he was about being in Milan. Yeah. Um, and I'm happy with moving on from a guy that doesn't want to be there that we don't even own. You know, we as, as, as I'm speaking as a Milan fan. So I don't have a problem with that because I think that at some point you, you've got to just start, start giving Patrick Cutrone these opportunities to show the show what he can do because he's shown he can score goals in big situations. Um, Piantic, the has he proven he can score goals in Serie A? Absolutely. Has he proven he can score against big teams? No, not particularly. Not enough to my liking. Um, and I think that's the big concern that I come away with. Um, I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to be do well. But the other thing that concerns me is look at the laundry list of strikers that Milan have gone through and it hasn't worked out. You know, yeah. there's all, you go all the way back to Shevchenko and the only player that since Shevchenko, the Jalen said, yeah, that's worked out. It's Ibrahimovic. Exactly. So, you know, well, so, was half a season below was half a season, but that's it. And while there might be a lot of excitement, from certain Milan fans, and I get it. I'm going to be skeptical. This kid's gotta. This kid's gotta get it done in big games. If he can get it done in big games, and he'll win me over. And I don't think he is of the 
I mean, he could be, but I don't think he is of the quality of a Shevchenko or Ibrahimovic where they can take over games themselves. Those two players, they, the, despite what, whatever the team's doing, they could take over games and get the goals. Um, the problem with what you're going to run with Piontek, by the way, I love the Piontek deal a lot, but what the problem is is going to be the same problem you have with Iguain, and is that the lack of service to him. He can only do, they can only do so much. That's why he didn't do well, I think, maybe against those big teams with Genoa, Piantic in, in, in this regard, because he didn't get the service that he needed to maybe score. I, I, didn't, I didn't watch all those games that he played against the top six, So I, just other than the, the Milan game and the Juventus game. Um, so I don't know if he got the, the, the right amount of service. That was Iguain's problem. He was not getting as many goals because the service wasn't getting to him. He's a clinical finisher, but you know, with Suzo and Chalanolu not, you know, not consistent, he wasn't getting the ball that he needed to to get the opportunities. He created some some opportunities, sure, um, and Piantic will as well. But um, I think the same problem you had with Iguain is going to be with, with Piantic and, and that's lack of service. Yep, yep. So we'll see. And uh, Kwame to Napoli. Yeah, that's a great pickup for Napoli. It's a great pickup for Kwame, really, because uh, this is a we, we've been we've been touting this kid for the longest time. Uh, this is a special kid. He needed to go to a, a a big club, and Napoli is that club. He's gonna learn to play. He's gonna be people gonna learn about him really quick. Um, Napoli know how to develop. Ancelotti knows how to develop young players. Napoli does too. The way they play football, uh, he's gonna be brilliant to watch. Well, he'll he'll get his opportunities. If this was sorry. He would not have get his opportunities for sure, um, but since it's uh, Ancelotti, he'll give him opportunities. He he, he loves giving youngsters a chance, uh, so we'll see what he can do when he's with Napoli. But I love this pickup for for both parties involved, not necessarily Genoa, but um, Napoli is going to definitely benefit down the road. Yep, uh, they'll, they'll they'll find a role for him. Yeah, I mean because they're going to eventually have to turn over this team a little bit, Napoli. Um, for all the success that they're having. I mean, Grease Mertens is actually a little older now. Yeah, Callejon uh, as well. Callejon, Hamshik. Yes, ex- exactly. So they're going to have to try to find some, you know, some players to kind of to fill in the gaps. And I don't mind him as a guy that they could go to. So, um, you know, we touted him, I think, before everybody uh, here on City Sit Down. We, we think Kwame's an excellent player. Uh, so, um you know, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see if he can translate that now to a bigger club with bigger responsibilities. So, anything else uh, from the transfer rumor mill that uh, that's that's jumping out or catching your attention? I think that we've got it pretty much. Uh, Somebody signed Darmian, and I it's from Syria, and I can't remember. I want to say it's Juventus, but I could be wrong. It was somebody who was it? Oh man, I saw it today. But Darmian's coming back to Syria, and it's to Juve. Yep. Yeah, is it Juve? Okay. Yep. Yeah, I, I know I saw Darmian's name today, and I was like, what? Um, but other than that, I can't think of anything at the moment. Yeah, it's the end of uh, Decilio's uh, time at Juventus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, that poor bastard. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it looks like he's uh, he's off to Juventus as well. All right. So, um, with that, I think we're good. Let's put a bow on this edition of Serie A Sit Down. Uh, Richard, uh little uh, shameless plug time. I actually wrote something for once. Uh, this was actually, I wrote a piece on, actually on Schalke, not Serie A related, but I wrote it for the Goldmouth Scramble, so you just check that out on Twitter. Um, other than that, uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, wherever, at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. 
I'm at FTC underscore 21 and I have written nothing and we'll continue to write nothing. <laughs> this is the only place you're going to find me now. And you will like it. I could talk Calcio and you will like it. You don't like reading my stuff anyway. So, <laughs> but anyway, uh, at City I sit down on Twitter uh, or Instagram, uh, you know, go there with some thoughts, some suggestions for future podcasts. Uh, we'd love to hear uh, from you. Uh, you, we have our own channel at iTunes and it's down and at SoundCloud you can also find us on Stitcher and on Spotify. So plenty of places to check us out. Uh, but you already know that cause you're checking us out, but, uh, you know, spread the good word about us as always. So, uh, want to thank you guys for uh, tuning in here and listening to us banter about Serie A and everything that went on here. Uh, as always, it means a lot to us, uh, for Richard, I'm Frank. Thank you for listening. Be sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao.